1: pass the mic greetings and god bless welcome to another episode of pass the mic dynamic voices for a diverse church powered by the witness a black christian collective i'm your host tyler burns you can follow me on twitter at burns 23 please follow at your own risk and joining me as always is the man the myth the legend mr blue check verified himself jamar tisby what's going on brother
0: Hey, man, a lot's going on in the world. I'm just trying to keep up with this crazy news cycle. We, As we record this, we just had the Alabama Senate election and they're passing these laws about the Internet and taxes and all that stuff. So my head's just spinning. and It's good to be back on the mic with you. Try to process life in this year. 2017 has been so crazy.
1: Your head has not been spinning fast enough for you to avoid writing for the New York Times in the time that ah. we've recorded. <laughs> Listen, let, let, let me let me tell y'all this. This is why I call this brother the man, the myth, the legend. Because every every month is something new. It's it's Washington Post, then it's Vox, and then it's the New York Times. Like what's next? Like what's what's what are you not gonna write? Who are you not gonna write for, Jamar? <laughs> like i need to know your plans the listeners need to know your plans man I've, I've still got some outlets on my list i'm just
0: just it's it's like it's like double dutch you know you just you just waiting for your opening so i'm just waiting here you go man
1: man we're <laughs> proud of you brother we're really proud of you man it. you represent us well I appreciate that man you are the wind beneath my wings <laughs> all right man this got real <laughs> sentimental real quick we got to bring it back. We got to bring it back, brother. Come on, man. No no tearing hey, up on the podcast dog. yet, man.
0: No, we're going to save that. We're going to save that for for your new edition coming on. This is a special Advent season for
1: you. Yeah, man. Waiting for a baby to come any day now. A baby's actually due on Christmas, so we'll see what's up. Um, All right. But yeah, for those who didn't know, uh, <laughs> I think everybody knows. <laughs> but for those who didn't know, waiting for our first child. So that's going to be fun. Uh, but we also have a fun podcast today. We are oh, doing yes. our annual Top 5 Cultural Artifacts podcast. This is, I believe, the third or fourth year. I think it's the third year that we've done this. Yeah. And here's the thing. We do a top five list at the end of the year. We're so thankful for the ways in which the Lord has shown his grace towards us in various ways. And we believe that his goodness is found in everyday things. So that is cultural artifacts, as we've dubbed it. That's the big umbrella category. But that includes books books. CDs, podcasts, people, uh, special events, man, anything that might have just grabbed our attention from the year 2017. Now, here's the thing. We do not make it year specific. So we make it to where it's things that we've consumed in 2017. That might be a book from 1955. It might be an album from 2012. It doesn't have to be something that actually came out in the year 2017. It could really be anything that we've interacted with in the year that's kept us going, that spurred us on. So that makes it a little bit more interesting. So if you hear something completely off the wall that may be like, well, this isn't this year, this doesn't have to do with this subject or that subject, don't worry, just enjoy it, just go with it. And also, this is not going to be a super deep podcast. This is kind of a way. That we can just kind of sit back and express, and reflect, and have fun, and laugh, and do all those good things. So, for the people who are used to the, these deep theological reflections, you may get a little bit of that in the podcast, but you may not. So, man, just relax, just have fun with it, man. So, we're gonna start with Jamar. Jamar, what's this? Is in no particular order. I'm assuming, right?
0: Correct, correct. And what's fun about this is I don't know yours, and you don't know mine. So there, there could be yes, a we have no idea.
1: <laughs> yeah, we have no idea, no, no idea what's going on. We we haven't talked about it beforehand. We just say, hey, come up with your five, and then we got some honorable mentions at the end, which is really hard because I have some so here hard. that I'm still trying to figure out where I'm going to put them or if I'm going to include them in. So this is crazy. Like I feel like this is an official list, but you know, it's just a podcast. But at the same time, you want to take it seriously. I don't know, man. Go ahead, Jamar, give us your first one.
0: Okay, so two things first. One, as you're listening to this, think about your top five cultural artifacts. I think it would be cool, Tyler, if we like set up a thread or something and let folks just weigh in. I would be curious about. Um, what other people are thinking in their lives about their cultural artifacts? So, absolutely, keep that in mind as you're listening. And then, secondly, the way I thought about this are just kind of the the artifacts, the events, the people, the moments that that really shaped me or impacted me this year. Okay, so in no particular order, what, order the first one is Charlottesville, the the quote unquote mm. Unite the Right rally was a white supremacist rally and it was the aesthetics of the event were just so stark. So you have hmm. mostly white men, some white women there in um, khakis and white polo shirts, carrying tiki torches, them tiki um, torches they got from home Depot. Anyway, telling you, you know, the whole outfit came from target or something. I don't know, but uh, it was an incredible, it was an incredibly Blunt statement of racism in America, and what was so interesting were the reactions. Right, so so you have the the president saying, you know, there are fine people, there there are many fine people on on both sides, right, failing to outright condemn this white supremacist rally in which uh, one person, Heather Heyer, was killed, two police officers who were monitoring the event in a helicopter. They they, cra- they crashed and were killed. Uh, I think around 19 people were injured. So this violent rally, failing the president failing to outright condemn it, which isn't a surprise for listeners on our show because we've talked about that. Um, but you also have sort of the surprise and the shock from from many people, I think. And to me, it was like, this isn't a surprise. I mean, this should be a wake-up call. But from our vantage point, uh, of especially living in the deep South, which is no more racist <laughs> or less than any other part of the country, but I think for me, Preach. being around the physical reminders of it, whether it be cotton fields or a monument to James Meredith, the first Black person to integrate the University of Mississippi, or you know, driving through uh, uh, Glendora, Mississippi, where Emmett Till's murderers were from. So all of those things were kind of front and center and I study history. And then you see this in Charlottesville, it, it should have been more shocking maybe, but it wasn't. Um, but I think it was, I hope what it did was to draw the nation's attention again to the fact that racism and white supremacy, that phrase, I think reemerged in the national conversation Uh, That these are still problems and that America has yet to reckon with them. So it's Mm. these are tragic reminders, but but hopefully helpful reminders that we need to keep pushing and we need to keep striving for racial and and ethnic equity. So
1: that's one. Wow, man. Yo, so you started really heavy. I did. I did. I did. Not all of them are that way. Yeah, see, I, I set it up to be like, ah, it's going to be fun. It's going to be light. You know, it's not going to be deep. My and then bad. you just went you heavy. Nah, it's cool. You it's cool. Nah, I know. You did historian, you You immersed in it. You soaked <laughs> in it. So let me offset that by going with something really light, okay? I, I want to talk about the Vision comic. uh, Vision comic book written by Tom King. It came oh, out, man. I think, two years ago. Okay, so let me Learn. tell you all about this. Yeah, so this is semi blurred alert. I'm not gonna go too deep into it because there's certain things about it that I kind of don't want to ruin. But so the vision, vision is is a Marvel superhero, and you guys will see him in Infinity War next year, um, that MCU movie. Um, he's also been in a number of the other movies as well, the Avengers movie, um, Captain America: Civil War, etc. So Vision is um, a character that hasn't been explored in this way before. So the whole premise is Vision and his family move to the suburbs. And so you're, you're kind of thinking, okay, so Vision is in the technical term, a synthesoid. So he's not like full human being or anything. He's basically created um, by Ultron in the comics. And so the, the idea is that Vision isn't real. So how does he have a family? Well, Vision creates his own family. So Vision creates his wife um, named Virginia, I believe. And his two kids, Vivian and Vincent, they're twins, Um, and so they interact with suburban life because Vision's role with the Avengers has completely changed and shifted. So the idea is that they're integrating and trying to live this normal American life, and so the kids go to high school. They they're, they're not. It's no secret. Like they, everyone knows they have these powers. Everyone knows who they are. So they fly to high school, like nobody uses cars because they have all these abilities. So they fly, um, they utilize superhuman strength. um, They're able to process data very quickly, but they have to learn to harness that ability to actually create things. So long story short, their ideas of what normal is and their striving for normal American existence is completely foiled by their own... I want to say I don't want to say humanity, but it's completely foiled by their own shortcomings and weaknesses. And so there's this one particular scene where two friends are doing a science experiment. I won't tell you who those friends are, but you you see the lengths to which the family will protect each other. And so these two friends, one is inside this family, the vision family and and another is not. He's a well-known character. And he's talking to the person within the Vision family saying, you shouldn't do this. And the person who's within the Vision family, again, who I'm not going to tell you, looks at the other person and says, if you stop me from doing this, I will kill you. And in that moment, it stunned me because it showed the lengths to which we will go to defend our families. The lengths to which we will go to defend not just our families, but our ideas of normalcy. So this is a very probing, penetrating comic. It's 12 issues. I highly recommend that you go and pick it up. Even if you're not a comic book reader, it'd be a great introduction into comic books. It's haunting. It'll elevate the medium for you and it has a great end as well. So yeah, I'll make it light and nerdy. But the Vision comic is something you guys have got to check out. Look, man. Come was, on, y'all got to go get on this, man.
0: That was this deep penetrating metaphysical social analysis yeah, but that it, you just
1: gave. Yeah, but it's fun, you know? <laughs> it's just fun, Jamar. Like it's it's a good story, and you know it's not real, but it has some social commentary. I think all fun things, even even comedy. It has some sort of social um commentary within it, and it has some sort of satire within it. But this is just a great story. So yeah, Division Comic. What's your next one, Jamar?
0: Well, I'm looking through my list and it's all kind of heavy, but here's, here's,
1: here's a boy. Here's I knew it. I knew it. See, you was playing Look, with me. You was I'm playing, playing like, with me. I knew know, it. The
0: things that shaped me. Okay. So, uh, Lecrae, Lecrae's latest album, all things work together. Um, okay. That's good. That, that album, it just, it, it like put words to what my soul was feeling in 2017. For instance, the song facts, um, it, it, It captured so much of my uh, sort of relationship or engagement with, Mm -hmm. you know, predominantly white evangelical churches and institutions. And, uh, you know, people wonder, is he broke or just a new, woke or just a new slave? Um, Oh, religion, he just covered it with new change. Uh, People told me, shut my mouth and get my checks from evangelicals, Right. That's so much of my journey and our journey as the witness. Man, look at
1: Jamar trying to rap, man. No, I ain't trying to rap. I'm just saying. Those are that's I'm I'm quote tweet. I know, but you had your <laughs> rapper you had your rapper voice. Like you had the hip hop tone oh, and everything. Practicing. You had that look. What's <laughs> what's
0: up, man? I, I, I am not a lyricist, but I appreciate good wordsmithing in whatever form it comes. And this was such a great like it was it it felt like a liberated album you know what i mean where uh absolutely kinda found his his voice in this new domain uh one he's been striving toward and, and 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 moving in for a couple of years now but this album really captured it uh sonically it was just it was so distinct and so different um and he spoke to some things but had fun with it you know it was like it was just like this is me, this is who I am, and in so many ways, mm-hmm. that's that's what I'm trying to lean into as a writer, as a podcaster, you know, all of these things, even as a, a, a budding historian, just just being free to be me. And I think at mm-hmm. its core, you know, that's part of the 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 gospel's liberation is it's knowing that God created you a certain way, certain quirks, certain personalities, certain. Uh, networks of relationships, certain passions, mm. and he wants us to know that that he loves us so fully and so unconditionally, and he wants us to be who he made us to be, which means constantly mm. purifying, right? Constantly moving toward holiness. So it doesn't mean leave us in our sins, but it does mean like, hey, the, your, your particular personality is not a mistake, the way your mind works is it's, it's not an accident, right? There's something good. unique that we each contribute being who we are. And, and this album helped me sort of to just lyrically and musically uh, find that freedom, find that liberation and be emboldened to pursue it. So that's the second one.
1: Man. So I think two things as it relates to that. Number one, I think if there is a witness, staff theme song. It's facts.
0: (laughs) That's right.
1: And number two, I think it's very interesting that you mentioned that because a lot of people group you and Lecrae's exit, quote unquote, from evangelicalism and your track and your journey together. And so I think it's just really interesting how every time people are mentioning you, they're mentioning Lecrae. Every time they're mentioning Lecrae within our tribe, they're mentioning you as well. So I think it's it's cool for you to mention that considering how concurrent your journey and LeCrae's journey actually are. Yeah, honor's all mine. So that, yeah, just it's a good soundtrack for this year for me. That's what's up, man. Okay, so my next one is um I'm gonna go a little bit light again. It's an R and B album. Okay, okay. Uh you know I always gotta put in an album, normally something uh by a particular artist, which I'll get to at the end, but it was from the nineties because
0: anything after that is really just, you know, junior varsity.
1: Okay, that's... Uh, well, we'll see you soon on the next uh, Pass the Mic. <laughs> Bro, get out of here with that. Okay, stop.
0: How you go? How you okay, so step the boys to men, Bell Biv DeVoe? Come on now. Jamar is aging himself <laughs>
1: right now. <laughs> hey, I, don't care. I don't care. That was the golden age. <laughs> this boy said Bell Biv DeVoe. Uh, anyway, okay, so uh, I'll say this album, I've really enjoyed it for a particular reason. And so it's Daniel Caesar's album, Freudian. And I really deeply enjoy this album. And so the reason I enjoy this album so much is not just because it's kind of a no frills, excellent music, just really thoughtful, just thoughtful neo soul type music. But but I think the reason I enjoy it so much is because if you're listening closely enough, there are so many gospel references um, musically, not not with the lyrics, because the lyrics are a typical R and B. So this is, you know, definitely a you know you and your spouse album. <laughs> but grown <laughs> lyrics yes, the you and your spouse notice. Okay, so the <laughs> sexuality. Um, but but so what I'm saying is, it is it is a very interesting nod to gospel music, particularly Kurt Franklin. Now, recently nice. at the Soul Train Awards, Kurt Franklin did a kind of mash up with a few artists, Leandre Johnson, Major uh Lettucey, and Daniel Caesar. And so mm. I was wondering, and it's really interesting why Daniel Caesar would be, you know, kind of in that mix. And so, mm. you know, he's a younger guy. He's done stuff, stuff with Chance the Rapper and some other modern artists, but when I went back and listened, I caught all these little notes and nods to Kurt Franklin, even just like some direct very obvious ones and some other gospel artists as well which undergirds it with some some really interesting richness and depth and you know on its face it's not like the most innovative RB album but that right there kind of takes it to another level and I think lyrically in some places it's very um, solid and it's very meaningful so I really enjoy that it's kind of been a soundtrack that I've been listening to over the past few months. Especially as it gets into the winter months, um, it's perfect for that as well. Okay, good. Thank so, yeah, you for the Daniel music
0: re- recommendation. I'm gonna add that to my list. And of course, you know we got to oh, tag yeah, brother. Oh, <laughs> we got to tag brother Kurt oh, yeah, Franklin brother, brother. on this um, on this podcast. So we, he gets a shout out here.
1: Yeah, we've been trying to get Kurt Franklin on the podcast for about five years. So uh, even before we started the podcast, we were trying to get Kurt Franklin on here. So anybody got a connection to Kurt? Hit him up. Tell him about the podcast. Y'all tweet at him. Say you want him to be on Pass the Mic. But yeah, brother, I was going to tell you, man, I was going to text you. Yeah, this is a good album for you. Man. Keeping it to yourself, man. I get it. OK. All right. Uh, this is a good album.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Number three for me is an obvious one, or it should be to our listeners, but our name change from the Reformed African-American Network
1: to The Witness that see, was, was going to be on my list, but see, that's an honorable mention. You know, I it was, didn't really make my list. So
0: he's like, I'm all about passing Mike. What? <laughs> uh-huh. <sighs> no, man, it was it was a long time coming. Uh, you know, we could feel the the tremors, I would say, you know, even a couple of years back, certainly in 2016. Uh, but then it just kind of increased. Uh, the the sense of urgency. I was I would really say this past summer, and then we met as a team in August and kind of hashed it out. What would the name be? What would the tone be? The direction, and I'll admit, I mean, right up until you know a couple of weeks before we changed the name, I was just not sure because I don't know how long folks have been listening to this podcast or following the blog, but I've been on this since two thousand eleven, and it's always been Ran, and that name itself was. a a big deal. Like that was intentional. And we had arguments, like knock down, down, drag out debates about it. And, uh, and so changing it was, was a big deal. But I also, I mean, we've, we've had a whole podcast on, on why the name change and why it's different, but I can say, you know, a, a, a month or two out from, from the change, it definitely feels like the right decision. We were, or at least I was very pleasantly surprised at the amount of support And the relatively uh, very little pushback uh, that we got from it, we were sort of, you know, girding our loins for a battle over the change. And I'm sure we definitely lost some people. We definitely had some critiques, but overall, I think Mm -hmm. it has been um, a good move and a move that's given more folks a touch point about a black Christian Mm -hmm. witness in the blogosphere on the airwaves through the podcast and just being out there. So that was a, a big move. And I think we, we, we're only just beginning. We, we, we can't even imagine uh, kind of the fruit that it's going to bear or where we'll be this time next year. So that was a big cultural artifact from 2017.
1: Yeah. Let, let's, let's take people a little bit on the inside. Um, Jamar. Uh-oh. So when we talk about knockdown dragouts, let me talk, let me, let me say this. We mean knock down, drag outs. <laughs> we mean hours upon hours, hours of conversation. So here's the thing. We we all got day jobs. We all have things that we're committed to um, that we have to be faithful to. And so The Witness is at this point kind of like a side pursuit. And it's a side hustle for all of us. And so everyone that you see that works you know, with The Witness, we all have a bunch of other things that we do, a bunch of other things that we're we have our hands in. But we are very, very passionate about what we do here. And dare I say, maybe more, more passionate here than any other side pursuit or any other thing outside of you know, our families and God. And so we had some very intense discussions and we were all kind of pushing each other, poking each other, prodding each other. And I think you know it's important to say that because this wasn't a decision that was made lightly. And this wasn't something that we just came up with and said, ah, oh, we just want to get away from such and such or so and so. And so because of that, we're just going to change the name. No, this was something we labored about in prayer. We labored about in conversation and getting wisdom from outsiders and other people. And and we came to this decision. I'm glad we did. But it was it was bloody behind the scenes, <laughs> you know, we I think people should know that like I think people should know that we we disagree and on things people should know that we push each other people should know that we don't always land in the same place and I think sometimes there's this perception that we kind of present such I think a united front in how we kind of balance out each other and and we're behind each other that it can appear as though we don't offer or we don't accept dissenting opinion and that is just not the case, we've <laughs> <You> got <laughs> a spectrum we've got a spectrum out here, oh, uh, which makes us
0: better right iron iron sharpens iron, and so you know the big debate was the reformed label do you attempt to sort of redeem and reclaim it, particularly from within, or is it is it is it not who you want to? Is it not how you want to convey yourself outwardly? Yeah. Um, yeah. Even though, you know, we still or I still have reformed convictions, you know? Uh, so there's yeah. just a lot of pros and cons, you know, there, there were certain benefits with keeping the name. There were certain benefits with, with changing it. And so it was going through that and it was really helpful and healthy discussion, I think, to figure out the different angles and perspectives on this thing. So
1: we're going to continue having knockdown dragouts in various areas. Absolutely. And so we disagree on a lot of things. I mean, (laughs) you know, a lot of secondary issues. So, you know, I just think it's healthy for people to know that we're not just sitting up here getting an echo chamber. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Like not. I think people, they wouldn't know that maybe if they, you know, and you and I, Jamar, have kind of had some some tough conversations on the podcast. But behind the scenes, people should know it's just not a, a consensus automatically so yeah that's good man i'm glad you included that that's why i didn't include it in my list cuz i knew <laughs> going to include that one so all right what's next for you all right cool so can i nerd out a little bit jamar I do i have permission just did i thought you just did but. listen man can i can i get some can i get some real nerd out can i get some real nerd out permission hey top okay pride. so Let's do it. listen my number my third one It's in no particular order but i guess you can say my number 3 is the Lyman Beecher Lectures at Yale Divinity wow. School. Wow. Okay. Wow. I'm, I, I know. I know. <laughs> I know. Listen, some of y'all already turned off the podcast, but here's the thing. Okay. For those of you, those five of you who are still listening, <laughs> check me out here. Okay. Right, so the Lyman Beecher Lectures were established in the 1800s, and they are like some of the foremost preaching lecture series. It's a once a year annual where they fly in a famous preacher from across the country, um, typically on a, from a certain tribe. So I will acknowledge that. It's not just like every preacher you've ever heard, but typically from a certain tribe to come and give the Lyman Beecher Lectures at Yale Divinity School. Now, in recent years, they've had people like Otis Moss Jr., Brian Blunt, uh, Otis Moss III., Renita uh, Weems. Eugene Lowry, Barbara Brown Taylor, Alan Busack. Um, And then in previous years, they've had people like Walter Brueggemann, Samuel DeWitt Proctor, John Claypool, James Forbes. Of course, the great greatest preacher of all time, Gardner Taylor, um, Fred Fred Craddock. And so it's, it's really interesting. So you can catch some of these online on YouTube, but then some of them you have to order because they're so old. So I just recently received... Um, If you follow me on Twitter, then you know this, at Burns23, follow at your own risk. But if you follow me on Twitter, you know that I just recently received the Gardner-Taylor lectures from, I believe it's 1976, um, in CD form, and they have been blowing me up. And it's, it's really a thoughtful take on preaching and perspective on preaching and challenge in ways that I can't really put into words. It's just priceless material. And so obviously, listen, if you know any of the names I just mentioned, you might disagree with some of the things that they say. That's okay. And the reason why I put this on here is because it has been the great joy of the past year or two for the Lord to teach me again that the body of Christ is broad. The body of Christ is bigger than my tribe. The body of Christ is bigger than my favorite preacher and podcast and sermon series, and church denomination. It's bigger than that. And these preachers, um, both men and women, which is another broadening. Okay. I know, I know, I know guys. Okay. But just go with me
0: here. Just like, wait right. a minute. They really changed that name.
1: Oh, I know. I get it. All right. But here's what I'm saying. I, it's, it's just been, I've learned so much. It's been helpful for me. It's been challenging for me. And has actually caused me to approach the text, to approach the Bible, to approach my vocation of preaching in a a more serious, thoughtful way. So the Lyman Beecher lectures, you can catch some of them on YouTube. You can also order sermon series um, or lecture series from Yale Divinity School on their website. So you can go do that. But here's the thing, even if you don't, I think it's really helpful for people to listen to others outside of your tribe. Here's what we tend to do. We tend to pick a few people who are tokens within our tribe who would agree with everything that we say. And I'm not just talking about Black people as tokens. I'm talking about really any group of people. We tend to pick people who would agree with 90 to 95% of what we say. And we say, oh, well, this is diverse because it's this person or that person. It's a different ethnicity or a different, you know, smaller congregation or it's it's a woman or what have you. And I think it's really helpful for us to challenge our belief systems and to really challenge the things that are outside of orthodoxy, that are outside of the core essentials of the faith that we've just culturally believed for years and years, because that's just how we've done it. And I don't think that serves anyone. So anyway, Lima Beach Lectures, that's my number three. That's good, man. Another thing I'm adding to my list. Okay. Well, let Come me, on, let man. me, yeah, you, you would really like this. You would really like this, but you know, you, you, were, you the seminarian deep doctor, you know, so no, you might, man, you might no, be picking, man. you know, <laughs> I'm messing History with you. Bro.
0: History is my jam. History is my jam. And so for artifact number four, it was reading the book called bearing the cross by David Garrow. And it is a biography. Bruh, I
1: heard that book is crazy.
0: It it was just so enlightening for me. It's, it's a biography of Martin Luther King Jr., specifically in relation to uh, the SCLC Southern Christian Leadership Conference that he founded, but it walks through his entire life, and I particularly found his early life very intriguing. But let me back up a little bit. What was so striking to me about it was I, like many, many other people, Basically knew Martin Luther King Jr. from his his sound bites, right? From the the quotes that we tweet out or post on Facebook, you know, once or twice a year on MLK Day or the anniversary of the the March on Washington, stuff like that. Um, and even I, as as a as a student of history, didn't really know too many of the intimate details of his life or his his social activism and the campaigns and all of the intrigue and the, and the politics and the, um, debates and everything that, that he and his crew had. So, so first and foremost, this book was simply informative. There's a whole lot about King that we don't know, or that we simply assume, but you got to sit down and, and read it with, with, with a historian like, like David Garrow. And this is just one of many biographies. Um, Taylor Branch's parting the waters. It's a trilogy. That's another good one.
1: Amazing that 's the one i 've read absolutely amazing trilogy of books
0: absolutely uh, it, it, hopefully you got time to read it but it's it 's thorough and so this one focuses mainly on on his relation to the s c l c but what struck me were were a few things one his early life like Martin Luther King Jr. was immensely talented already. I mean, he had his PhD by his mid-20s, right? He just went straight on through. And his life had a trajectory. He was born into a solidly middle-class family. Uh, His father, who we called Daddy King, was a pillar of the community. And really, his path was set. And he was all about just becoming a local church pastor and a professor, he wanted to write, and he wanted to teach, and that was just kind of his life, right? And then uh, along comes the Montgomery bus boycott, and Rosa Parks, who had a lifelong history of activism, but this particular moment in this particular time and context created a a, a, a national um, uh, created national headlines, and they chose MLK because he didn't have all of the baggage of more established clergy. He could come in and perhaps be a uniting force in the city because there was a lot of religious politics going on and backstabbing and all of that stuff. So like, okay, this guy's talented. He's articulate. Yeah, I said that. Um, And and he can lead this movement. And little did they know, little even did King know what would happen. And there's one quote from the book in the epilogue that I think is just really helpful. And it's Ella Baker, who was a a she had a radical vision for democracy, and I recommend Barbara Ransbury's um, biography of Ella Baker. But Ella Baker, who's a force in and of herself, she said about this, she said this about King, she said, the movement made Martin rather than Martin making the movement. It was just so striking. Hmm, that's good Because it humanizes this man. He has become such a figure, this, this symbol that we forget he's just a person. And is so interesting that he had never anticipated this. He hadn't he had inspired to be the most well-known civil rights leader of the 20th century. But when the moment came, he stepped up, and that's what struck me is like he had all of these moments of weakness and doubt, and yet he still stepped out the door, stepped up to the mic, marched on. Uh, 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 the the road, whatever it might be, no matter what his fears, mm-hmm. no matter what his doubts, he all he just he engaged in the struggle, and so for me it was inspiring, and I think it actually yeah. motivated me, uh, to be more vocal in my writing or on this podcast or in whatever ways that I can, and say that it's not, I mean, our 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 faith does not arise from fear. That's not what should determine the boundaries of our actions, but our, our actual faith in God and trusting that as we pursue righteousness and judgment as he defines it, he's going to take care of us, even if it costs us that's our good. earthly life <laughs> as it did MLK.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, that's the call and that's the walk. So long story short, it was an inspiring book for me, not only informational, but hopefully transformational as I as I try to follow in the footsteps of so many people who came before us in this struggle for justice. Yeah.
1: Dr. King was flawed, bro. <laughs> Mad flawed. I wish people would hear that, man. Like I wish people would understand like like I heard someone once say that we we lionized Dr. King, you know, and it there's so much to glean from him that it's a it's a really weird kind of relationship I think with appreciation and then also critique, which is healthy. And you know, kind of looking at some things that he missed and looking at some things that other people have missed, but I think there's so much to glean and learn that if people would get past the the cotton candy of the speeches, which is his brilliant rhetoric that has lived on for decades, if we can get past just that little element, I think you see a very deep thinker. With um, a complex understanding of what justice is, and a complex understanding of the commands of God to to love God and love neighbor, as a result of love for God, and so absolutely, man, there's even in the midst of the flaws, there's so much to glean, man. Amen. That's a whole. Okay, episode. so <laughs> it is, yeah. So, so my number four. Oh man, bro, bro. The Netflix movie, Mudbound. Wow. wow. Okay, so you saw it. Let me tell you, man. I did. Recently watched Mudbound. Let me tell y'all something, man. Mudbound is incredible. Mudbound should get all the awards. All the awards, please. At least all the nominations. Okay. Mudbound is a movie about uh, Mississippi during World War II time. In the Delta. And it follows two families. Yes, in the Delta, two families. Um, The McCallums, and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, it's the Jacksons. I'm just trying to think off the top of my head. I believe it's the Jacksons. Now, um, the McCallums are owners of land, and the Jacksons live on that land. They're tenants. But actually, at certain points, become like servants or help, depending on their financial situation and so it chronicles the intersections of how there's casual racism of how there's there's common humanity in the fact that both a son of the McCallums and a son of the Jacksons are soldiers for the United States in war uh, there is this beautiful scene where the Jackson son is coming back from war And he's sitting across from a young Black boy who looks at him in his uniform and salutes him, but the young boy is right behind the colored sign in the bus. And so it's this striking symbolism of dignity in the midst of the casual racism of that day. And there are some incredible performances, not to mention its use of scripture, which is phenomenal. Its usage of faith which is amazing, which will stir you, which will uh, make you tear up, might cause you to cry. And then there are harrowing moments as well. Um, the performances within this movie are incredible. And I want to highlight one in particular. And that is a guy in in the movie, he's called Hap Jackson. And he is the patriarch of the Jackson family. And he is also the preacher on the quote unquote plantation. It's not one, but you can call it that basically. And he is phenomenal. He embodies all the pain and the ambition and the faith in God and the love of his family and the loyalty and the hard work and just everything that a quintessential Black male patriarch would in that time. Uh, Mary J. Blige, who is his wife in the movie, also does a phenomenal job of representing the power and the strength. There's one scene where she says, I didn't have the luxury of just loving my own children to to symbolize the ways in which Black women were called to love white families' children as well Mm. for their own survival, Mm. not just because they wanted to, not just because it was a job, Because if they didn't love those kids well and serve those kids well, it would come back and hurt their kids. I mean, it's just D. Reese, who was the director, did a phenomenal job. She should get all the awards. She was not nominated for a Golden Globe. I don't know how that happens. Mudbound is amazing. It's on Netflix. You guys should definitely see it. Have you seen Mudbound yet, Jamar? I've seen a quarter of it, full disclosure, because I live in the Delta,
0: and this stuff yeah. is it's so tough, real it's so it's it, tough bro yeah but what we talked about we wanted to get the director d reese on the show so we
1: got another a- person y'all can well she doesn't have a twitter she, she doesn't right? she doesn't have a twitter yeah it's okay another person if y'all got connections we want d reese on the on the podcast too Kurt franklin d reese President Obama, Brilliant. Michelle. Yeah. all Let's of do it. Let's do it. All right. I'll make this last
0: one really quick. It's it's kind of selfish, but it's stuff that shaped me, right? It had a big impact on me. So okay. uh, back in, uh, I want to say late May, early June, I wrote my first article for the Washington Post, which was a big deal yeah. for me because it was my first article for a national news outlet. And what it did was help. To encourage me to, to write more, like I've never really thought of myself as a writer. And I think for a lot of people who, who for whom writing is very important, uh, there's this fear of, of making that claim, I am quote unquote a writer because it comes with all this pressure and these expectations and, and there are all these great writers, both past and present. And who am I to, to wade into, to this guild and say that I'm anything, especially for me because I didn't necessarily train for it or, or something like that. Uh, but to be able to have that opportunity, which is a great weight, right? Um, in a way, writing is teaching. You're trying to convey something. And so the Bible says, be careful if you're a teacher. You'll be judged more strictly than the rest. Now, obviously, that's uh, really directly pertaining to the pulpit, but all kinds of teaching, I think, would fall under that rubric. And so it's this very weighty responsibility, and yet, you know, um, Tanahasi says this like you've, you've got to love it you've got to love the process you've got to love the the messiness of it the frustration yeah, of true, it, the cutting the editing like all of that and and when I finally admitted to myself that I did love that process um, I don't have as much time for it or make as much time for it as I want to but I, I do enjoy it that I just started saying okay maybe maybe this is part of what I do and, and to just embrace it instead of, instead of like trying to diminish that. And, and I think there's a bigger lesson here for, for anybody listening, um, particularly writers, but, but, but anyone else, right? Like, like there's a certain, there's a certain passion that you have. There's something, something that you really love doing that may be unexpected. Like other people wouldn't necessarily describe you in this role or whatever, but you know, deep down this is this is something that that you have to do. It's like a fire shut up in your bones, hmm. right? And so, yes. just giving giving folks permission to be that—that's part of our freedom in the gospel—is to be who we were created to be, in spite of what others might say based on some sort of earthly judgments, right? It, it doesn't mean go off and do whatever you want. It doesn't mean shirk responsibilities or anything like that. But it does mean that that there's there's something special you have to contribute and maybe you just need a chance or a shot some opportunity or even someone encouraging you and big shout out to Eugene Scott uh uh reporter for the fix on the Washington hey. Post you know he's encouraged me greatly uh others along the way friend of the show what's up yes great friend of the show intelligent man grateful for his voice and um you just need folks like that cheerleaders so I'm your cheerleader right now if you're listening we we're going into 2018 uh name it even if you just write it on a piece of paper whatever you are whatever you want to do and uh commit it to the lord um if if we ask anything according to his will he's gracious he'll he'll listen and he'll
1: answer so talk, so just talk, encouraging sir.
0: yeah so that's it man that's
1: really encouraging bro that really is and speaking of opportunities man you know I wouldn't be here doing this podcasting thing the way that I am if I didn't get an opportunity from you, man. So shout out to you for oh, for man. making space and, and being a man true to your words and give me this opportunity to get on the, on the mic and uh, run my big mouth, man. Bro. So thank you, brother. You blessed
0: us, man. Pleasure's
1: all ours. Okay, so my last one is a very popular figure. I never thought anyone would get me to stop watching the NFL, bro. Like, you know, okay. I never okay. thought... That anybody would ever get me out of the standard Burns routine. And the Burns routine is is it's simple. It's the the same routine I followed ever since I was a young boy in my parents' household. As soon as we got cable, because we didn't have cable for a minute. Okay. But when we when we got <laughs> when we got off that, when my parents got off that conviction, we're like, yo, you're not supposed to watch television. I was like, okay, this is strange. But anyway, so when we got off of that. Uh, man every Sunday, go to church. My father would preach. It would sometimes be two or three services in the morning, depending on the year. And we'd have a Sunday dinner and we'd prop our feet up and watch football and fall asleep and then wake up and watch football. (laughs) And so we had this really the Sabbath, quote unquote, for us, which now I'm even seeing how flawed that was, but the Sabbath for us was, was leisure. And Part, football was a part of that, man. And then in the South, man, football is is massive, man. You know, And a couple of my friends now play in the NFL. They play on Sundays. And so I never would have thought anybody could get me to stop watching the NFL. And furthermore, I never thought anybody could get me to stop watching the NFL without asking me to stop watching uh, the NFL. <laughs> but that's what Colin Kaepernick did. And so last person, last but certainly not least, Colin Kaepernick, man. Yeah, that's what's up. His stand, I believe we, we're the same age too. So it's actually been particularly resonant with me. His stand has been incredible. Or his kneel. The man took on, yes, his stand. I was using that. <laughs> but his, the, what he has stood up for and knelt for has taken on the most powerful, one of the most powerful organizations, the NFL, in the world. And y'all, he's won. (laughs) Colin Kaepernick has not only just given close to a million dollars, I believe he just completed the million dollar pledge to dozens of organizations, which you can find on his website. He's not only caused people like me to step back and critically analyze what we're watching on television, particularly how people are treating the players, how people are treating player safety, how people are treating... Um, even Black players, and giving them voice to speak out about certain things and not voice to speak out about others. And he has caused us to think very deeply about what activism looks like, the fact that activism will cost you something. And he's caused the NFL to have to give hundreds of millions of dollars, no matter how symbolic it may be, to at least say that they're going to give hundreds of millions of dollars towards causes as it relates to the things that the Black players are coming out and saying are important to them. Colin Kaepernick has been an example, and he willingly chose to become the avatar for all of the conservative Southern, (laughs) not just Southern, but really a lot of Southern conservative angst as it relates to the idolatry around our flag, the idolatry around our Americana. The idolatry as it relates to, quote unquote, patriotism. And it's been crazy to watch, man. Young dude, same age or maybe a year older or younger than me. But he's been killing it, man. And he's been doing it so quietly that it's been really I mean, instructional literally. for how to do
0: things. Yeah, like he has a He's not
1: done all these interviews. He ain't been on all these places. He's not been doing a book tour. I mean, he's just been super quiet. And he's just been doing his thing staying in shape just in case someone would give him a job, but saying, hey, if I don't get that, that's okay. I've got these things that I'm passionate about as well. And so it's been really challenging for me because it's something to see. And I know he's, you know, according to reports, he has a relationship with the Lord. But it's been really challenging for me, even as as a pastor, even as someone who who has a vibrant relationship with the Lord, committed to the local church, to see how do I cling to things? How do I step back even just because it'll be difficult, just because it'll be contentious. Like, ah, man, it'll be contentious, so I don't want to say anything. Not knowing that standing in that moment is often what is most required, what is most necessary. I mean, if you are going to stand for the things that the Lord says in his scriptures, you must in some way, shape, or form enter into suffering. And how have I allowed the American comfort to mold and shape me into muting my voice and stepping back and being hesitant when God has called me to speak. And that relates to a range of issues, that relates to a range of situations. And he's challenged me in that regard. And so I'm thankful for it, man. So Colin Kaepernick, I haven't watched a down of the NFL uh, this year and don't plan to actually ever again. So Colin Kaepernick got me to stop watching the NFL. So I got to give him some love. Now. Wow. 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 And as you say, that big shout out to uh, Jamel Hill, too, for
0: taking a stand uh, where oh, she is.
1: Jamel, bruh. Bruh. Jamel Hill. Okay. So, yeah. Like, yo, just all the black women who have done amazing things on, this year have been absolutely incredible. And I think this has been uh, the year of the black woman. I mean, I, I for real. Like I think we've seen and had to confront ways in which we have silenced and ignored and erased Black women who have been at the the center and on the front lines of every major human rights and civil rights issue within our country's history. So, shout out to Black women, man, that are killing it. Even the ones in obscurity that are just raising their kids and and supporting the people in their community and baking for the people in their neighborhood and showing up to the parent-teacher meetings. I mean, shout out to y'all too.
0: Yeah. And so I'm just going to run down my list of honorable mentions, but the first one was definitely Truth's Table, uh, particularly the gender apartheid episode. They were just so bold. They spoke truth. It revealed a lot of just the dirty underbelly of the the Christian networks that we were in um, a lot of the Patriot patriarchy and, and all of that stuff. So uh, I've learned so much from those ladies, not just from that one episode, but just their very existence is a testimony. So that's a huge one. Uh, I'm gonna run down this list. The past the live in Memphis, man, y'all were lit. I loved doing that. And we got a tour Bro, shout up. out to Memphis. Yeah. So y'all inspired us for, for a tour in 2018. Um, the get out movie that was killer it was just so good it it was satirical and true and multi-layered if you haven't seen
1: it go see it bro did i not put get out on this <laughs> list get out on it <laughs> okay so we did the whole part po- I, I remember listen i know i remember why i didn't put out the list because i look, we did a whole we podcast. did a whole podcast we did a whole episode so go back and, and- Listen to that Yes But I still That's how crazy this year's been I didn't There's even put so get out much. On my list And then my
0: last one nice. is uh, The Brian Stevenson interview We had Just a, a couple of weeks ago Brian Stevenson One of the The foremost Civil rights Activists Lawyers Today Founder of the Equal Justice Initiative They're starting a memorial To the victims of lynching uh, That interview was just Fire And so we've had So many great ones But that one uh, He's just someone I looked up to long long, long, long ago. And so to be able to have a conversation with him in an interview was a dream come true. So those are my honorable mentions.
1: Okay. My honorable mentions real quick. Uh, KB normally makes an appearance on my list, but KB's new album, Today We Rebel, um, has been excellent. It's been that that defiant, holy music that I needed. Uh, the book Learning From a Legend by Jared Alcantara, it cemented my love for the great, late, great Reverend Dr. Gardner mm-hmm. Taylor. Um, we Were Eight Years in Power by ta Coates. Mm. I know we critiqued it, but the book is excellent, and I really have enjoyed it. Um, also, the album by Kendrick Lamar, Damn, <laughs> which should have made my list, but didn't. Uh, I just wanted to give something different. But that album, for sure, uh, has been rocking me. And then also, there's another book. It's called We Have Been Believers by James James mm-hmm. Evans, and it's an African-American systematic theology. Mm. And it's been been very helpful for me frames things in different categories and it frames things in different ways than what I've learned before. So it's helped me to articulate some things and then also understand some of the people that I've critiqued as well in the past. And, you know, some of the black Christians who may have articulated things in different ways. And, you know, a lot of that comes from Evan's kind of conception of how things are. So yeah, those are, those are my lists. Uh, those are my honorable mentioned items, I should say. And um, man, this has been fun, it's Jamar. so much fun. This has been great. And we want to hear from 2017. has
0: been crazy. Oh, my goodness. There were so many that didn't even make this list. And like as we recorded, yes. we still got a couple of weeks left. So we might even have to revise this list because you never know uh, what could happen in the very near future. But we would love to hear what made other people's lists. Like what are your top five cultural artifacts? things, events, um, arts that have shaped you.
1: Uh, we'll, we'll post a thread, I guess, in our and Michael uh, Facebook group and and see what comes up. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for your support and your listenership in 2017. We could not do this without you. We would not still be recording without you guys listening. We don't want to take it lightly or for granted that you sit down and you press play on past the mic. So shout out to you, our listeners. Thank you so much. Continue to follow us on social media. 2018 is going to be amazing and we can't wait to show you all the things that the Lord is going to do with this ministry. So thank you guys so much and we'll see you soon on the next. Pass the the mic. mic.